Hey everyone, welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and with me as always, Mr. Daniel Ornelas. What is up, Daniel? Hey Jason, how are you going, mate? <laughs> how am I going, mate? How are you going, mate? How are you doing, bro? <laughs> What's up, Joseph? <laughs> hey, bro hammer. Hey, little bro peep. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited that our microphones are working today. The last like two episodes, we've had so many problems. Like I would say something, and then there'd be a three-second pause, and then you would say something, and then I had to edit it all together. So if you guys have been wondering why I've been so talkative on the last couple, is because every time I paused, <laughs> I had to figure out what was going to happen next. It was very sketchy. It was a little scary. <laughs> Crazy. Especially because you never know what Daniel's awesome. going to say. How are you doing, man? What have you been up to? <laughs> yeah, I've uh, bought a house. So we're building a house right now, so which is pretty cool. I've never, never been... Um, in this position of buying a home that's being built so it's kind of cool we can go down and watch them putting it together which is both glorious and hey what are you doing over there buddy hey why does that look like that <laughs> no nobody good. nobody cares about your house as much as you do that's the problem it's true yeah and i'm thinking about doing like weird little things it's like taking some some of my son's toys and throwing them in the walls as they're building them and so i can always know that there's weird stuff going on <laughs> <laughs> i and know when that's someone the- buys the house one day they buy the house from me, I'm like, you don't realize there's this a radio-controlled car in the foundation. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, uh, that's the, you see, that's the thing. If you have an old house, you just find those kinds of things. My, uh, my, a friend of mine, <laughs> he found in his, in the eaves of his attic, his house was from like 1920 or something like that. He found these old uh, hygiene books for boys and girls from like the 30s. And so, and so it was, you know, it's totally some kid that found these books and was like, oh, what's going on, you know, and hid them up there. And the best part (laughs) about it is that they were from the thirties or forties or something like that. And so the things that they said were fantastic. Like they would, they would have like in the, in the girls one, it said things like your husband married you the way you look. So it is your job to do your best to always stay looking that way. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) the best one was, and it says, whatever you do. Do not nag your husband. So what if he ashes on the carpet? It only takes a few minutes to clean it up. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> that was that was given to girls in school. So I bet you it was funded by the cigarette companies of the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's no big deal if he ashes his pipe. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, there's the rules back those days where you're allowed to hit your wife as long as the reed was not thicker than your thumb. That's the rule oh. of thumb. Did you know about that? I, I you know, I did hear that. <laughs> That's crazy. I've never, I've never hit my wife with anything though, so I'm, I'm, I haven't I've tried, spent... and it, <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work like I thought it would. Well, I think. Just uh, kidding. No, I think Sam. She looks kind of wiry. Like I think she could take you down. Oh, I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't. Oh, uh, I reckon. I wouldn't yeah, mess with her. I believe it. No, no. Uh, uh, she's, she is wiry. She's, she's got some power. Well, uh, well, yeah, to be clear, we're just being totally goofy. You see, it was funny when I just, I just said that thing out loud about the, about the, old, the old book. And Bethany is actually right behind me here. She was just like, <gasps> she totally gasped. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so anyway. Well, who have we got today? Who have we got to our po- for our podcast today, Jason? What's well, happening? Speak, well, speaking of husbands and wives, we actually have Brad and Rebecca um, they are a husband and wife team. They have led worship all over the world. And uh, I really wanted to have them on because their latest record, it was really interesting what they did. They actually wanted to really write songs for the church. And so what they mm-hmm. did is they went and asked all these pastors, like tons of them, you know, what do you need songs for in your church? 
And I loved it because it wasn't like a commercial take a survey so that we know what to sell you. It was very much a heart of servanthood. You know, we want to serve the church. How do we best serve the church? And so they wrote, you know, they got, they kind of put it all together. And so we talk about that process in the interview. We also talk about some of the work they're doing over in Africa, as well as the songs that are, that are working really well for them. So uh, it's a great interview. You can tell they get along great. We had a, we had a great time. Very, very cool. That's cool. So they, they work on the Watata project, right? Yes. Yes, they do. I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. Let's hear what they've got to say. Brad and Rebecca, thank you for, 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 joining, the, for joining the Worship Artistry podcast, even after I've already like biffed up our interview one time. So thank you for still <laughs> being right. my friend. Oh, yeah, thanks course. for having us. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I got a lot to get to with you guys. Um, I, I, the more I've kind of dug into your stuff, the more your heart for, uh, for just global ministry and worship like really stands out. Um, but I wanted to start off with the, the question that you guys recently asked uh, before this most recent record, which was, what does the church need? And then, so my understanding is you guys interviewed like 50 plus people like pastors and we're going, what, what are we supposed to write for? Yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> what, what, what did you hear? Give me the answers. I mean, obviously it's, it's the record. Yeah. That's obviously the first, it's yeah. just, it's all on there. Everything's on the record, but maybe expand on it a little bit. Yeah. yeah um, well, it, it all started honestly back in 2013. We had dinner with uh, a very close pastor friend of ours. We had just finished a record and his response to us handing the record was, so what's next? Yeah, thanks. Which is like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to eat vacation. dinner. Vacation? Vacation, yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the record. Uh, it was the most like frustrating, but yet like thought-provoking question. And, uh, you know, we kind of laughed about it. And then we actually talked about it. Like, what is next? And, and that record, the goal of it was to really approach the songs that we wrote as congregational as possible. And he said, great, do you feel like you did it? I said, I mean, we'll find out, but you know, <laughs> uh, that, yeah, I think so. And, and we did some pretty, pretty uh, distinct ways of doing that. We worked specifically with a pop producer um, on the thought that pop people get the repetitive nature and singability of a song. Um, how do we tweak that into the theological aspects of worship, you know? Um, so he said, okay, cool. Well, as you're, as you're approaching that, what if you decided to like start asking pastors what you should be writing about? It was like immediately my mind just started working like, yes, this is a genius idea. And I hate it at the same time because <laughs> I know forever. Um, so we did. And, uh, in 2014, we started the process. We just, um, you know, we had a, a list of pastors that we'd worked with and then we wanted to make sure we got out of out of that realm as well. And we're, you know, asking interviewing pastors that we've never been to their church. We don't know their environment. Um, maybe it's different than what we're used to. And it was interesting at first it, at the first few interviews, it was like, okay, we're just, I feel like we're all over the map here, um, in, in, um, thought processes. But the one thing that was interesting is the first pastor we interviewed, uh, Gary Hoyt, who is kind of the person that gave us this idea. Um, everything was related to the response. Like, how do we respond to God? And, and, and for him specifically responding at the end of a message. 
um, you know, you preach about this, 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 or this, and it feels like sometimes there's only these um, a few a few songs that gear around response to God, and they all kind of are very narrow. Um, so he said, what if you expanded on that? So it, it wasn't intentional, but when we look at the record at the end, we find that a lot of these songs that were written from these notes are some form of a response to God. So maybe one is a um, a simple declaration that I'm going to follow God, and yet the other one is this declaration of how mighty he is and what he has done. Um, but they're all, they all stem out of this concept of response. We respond to God in all things, um, or at least we should. <laughs> sometimes we forget we should. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we get, you know, uh, a little needy and, and the wanting, um, and I feel like that was something that kind of we really strayed away from in this record based on the notes that we were writing on the pastors were saying, you know, just this concept of identity and who you are, but not um, desiring something, but knowing and then declaring that. So uh, what, even though a lot of the songs uh, center around maybe identity in Christ and who we are, it's because we know it because we've, found, we've been found in him, and now we're going to declare that. We're going to tell of his works and tell of, um, I mean, there's there's a couple songs that, while they maybe overlap on different themes, they're still talking about the declaration of who we are in Christ. Um, so that's, I know that was really interesting, because uh, at first I was like, Becca, uh, these interviews are good, but we're really, really spread here. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make a quadruple CD each with like 20 songs on it. Yeah, five interviews in and I five different <laughs> topics already. This is, a, oh boy. Um, but it was really, it was really interesting. One of my favorite though, um, is from a pastor in Virginia, uh, Todd Gaston. He, he gave us some, you know, like specifics, but then he said, you know, one thing I want to hear. And it's, it's funny because it's not just like the actual con, um, concepts of the songs, but also how they're produced. He said, you know, simple, singable, and solid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that's that's so true. Like sometimes we forget, you know, in this desire to write something that is beautifully poetic, but we we miss the fact that it, it also needs to be sung, <laughs> yet, yet still teach something. Yeah. And, and uh, so we kind of went into each songwriting session with that in mind. Like these songs need to be simple, singable, and solid. And I think, you know, sometimes we probably expounded on that a little bit, um, but overall that was that was the goal. Um, and then it's also fun to see how the writers interpreted the notes from the pastors. So they all got the yeah. pastor's notes, the whole package, you know, all <laughs> 50 pastor's notes, some of them with 10 topics, some of them with two. But it was fun because it, it, not that it sped up the process of the writing sessions, but it gave everyone a very clear directive when we came in. We kind of broke it down, like, here are the topics that were the hottest, you know, but read through all the notes and find out what, what hits you. And, um, I mean, I remember our, specifically our last two writing sessions, we did the same day, and those both, both those songs were on the record, and both writers came in, like, just ready. Like, <laughs> oh, I've, been, I've been reading through these notes, and I just feel like God's telling me, like, we should be writing about this, and I uh, have this melody and this concept, and about the, it was like, wow, okay, this is... <laughs> This works really well. <laughs> I don't know if we'll redo it again, but uh, it definitely worked for that. It was, and then, it, but it was fun to hear how they interpreted, you know, what the pastors were saying and kind of all them together. So, so yeah, awesome. Well, I love I love what you were saying about the idea of response to our identity because it does feel like 
and in a, in a lot of scenarios, we're still like almost singing to ourselves, trying to tell ourselves what our identity is. So, you know, you're talking about like coming from a place of knowing. So let me ask you, for you guys personally, like how did you come to that place of knowing? Because I feel like I feel like that was such a I have a very like clear experience in my life where it was like God was like, this is who you are. And that dramatically changed my life. And I like really understood it. I had probably heard it a thousand times, but it was like that moment when I just went, oh, I, I get it now. And it just changes everything. How do, where, where was that for you? When did you know it? I think there's probably a few different, I mean, just different times in my life. Um, I feel like they're still happening and just different aspects of your identity because you're not just one thing in Christ. Like you are, first of all, a child of God first and foremost, that's your identity, but then you have, you know, what he's purposed you to do and, and be, um, goodness. It, it was maybe a slow progression, um, to a point. And then, um, just the God, just, just whispering little, I guess for lack of a better term, sweet nothings, you know, just that he loved me and I, I could feel that. And I knew that through scripture and, and in a worship setting, where God, um, where a certain concept was being sung about and God just kind of put his finger on my heart and said, yes, that's true of you and my children. Um, I can remember a specific goodness, just a, I guess I'll share two things. They were pretty special. I was an older teenager and I was just sitting in my living room, um, praying, reading, singing, and there was just a sweet moment where I just felt um, that God was just soaking up what I was offering to him. You know, you read the scripture about our praise is, is, a, is a beautiful sacrifice to him. It smells sweet to him. But, like, I felt that. Um, we're created to worship. That's our identity. Like, to have a relationship with God, but also to to communicate that emotion back and forth, you know, from him and, and to, and from him to us and to, to him from us. Um, yeah. What about you, Brad? There's, I mean, I, I have a few different times I could talk about, but that was just a sweet one for me. Sorry. I just, I just always ask really intimate questions. That's just right yeah, off the bat. <laughs> tell me about your most deepest moment with God. Can you just tell me that real quick? We got like 10 minutes. What do we got? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, there's, there's, for me, there's the moment that I, I recognized that, you know, my relationship with God was not built on my relation, my parents' relationship with God, but it had to be my own. And that was when I was um, in seventh grade. And I remember that for, you know, that was a very clear moment. I think uh, more recently, there's been a moment uh, in, during this process, actually, where uh a lot of what we've done for years has been based on faith. Um, this is our 10th year traveling and doing this full time. And um, we have two kids and, you know, all the different crazy things that go with that. Um, and about two years ago, um, God began to very <laughs> clearly remind me that he was in control of the process. And I think that's helped me um, in this. Uh, it was just a simple thing of uh, we, we do some work in Uganda and, and raising money for, for 
you know, I had a very clear path of how we were going to raise the money for the work that we were going to be doing there in about six weeks. And God had a very clear path of how he was going to do that. And they were different. Uh, I'm sure none of the listeners have ever had that happen. Um, so it was, it was a very quick, fortunately for me, it was a very quick moment of recognizing and God just reminding me that, you know, um, that he was going to take care of the situation. And uh, I had, I had very split second moments to respond to that or not. (laughs) And fortunately I did. And then I watched God just completely destroy my plan and do his, uh, and then some more. (laughs) And that was, uh, that was a really good reminder. Um, cause we were in the middle of this project. Um, I think at that point we're almost just at the beginning of the writing part of this project. And, um, you know, what we had thought was going to be like a two year process at the max became four (laughs) years. And, um, and it kind of prepared me for the rest of the journey for this project, knowing that, okay, God, we're just going to trust that you're, you're going to do this in your time frame, and it's all going to happen as you're, you're needing it to. And um, I think that's just been a very clear moment for me. That was back in uh, November 2016, that, that God was going to take care of us. Uh, and not just then, but always. And, it's, and our response is to trust <laughs> and to follow <laughs> So I think there was one of the songs from the record was written that week about that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think I always feel it. I feel like it's such a hard thing. You know, there's so much is written on worship and like it's become this big thing and everybody's got books about it and everything. But I th- I do feel like at, at its essence, it's like it's our response to God's goodness. Like that's just that's what it is. And you guys have done a really beautiful job of of creating that. So tell me about. Tell me a little bit about the the musical side of it, right? So you were saying like, okay, we're we wanted to write really congregational songs. Like, tell me simple, singable, solid. Tell me a little bit more about that because I I feel like everyone always has really different ideas of what that actually looks like. I mean, from a technical standpoint, are you going, well, we're only going to sing up to this note and then we're going to stop there, or is it like we're going to try and keep our instrumentation simple? Is it just about like? man, this has to just be the most monster hook that has, you know, lyrics that everybody can grab. Tell, tell me a little bit more about how that actually played out for you. Yeah, I think one of the things um, that it, it's not intentionally done, but very little of the writing that we do um, is, is done to big tracks. Um, so when we write, it's really done to a piano or an acoustic guitar. Um, so while the production well, the producer might take the song to a whole nother level. It started from this very basic model that was at a place that said we should use this. So if on an acoustic guitar or just a piano, the song feels like a song that we should take to the next level. To me, that's a good sign that the song can hold on its own versus, um, well, if we produce this right, then, then it'll be a good song. <laughs> If we give all the right layers and, you know, uh, the trumpet comes in at the right spot, then we don't have to worry about these little pieces of the writing. You know, <laughs> that's a terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> um, at least for a worship song, it is. Um, so I, I think that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing is uh, I think the power of the hook is there. You know, that there's, there's beauty in the creativity that people have and some people are just great at melody and hook 
Um, but then being reminded that, okay, that's great. What does it mean? Right. You know? So combining those two things together and that, and that's where I really, I do think those things are those simple, singable and solid. It's simple. It can be done on acoustic guitar tomorrow night, you know, around the campfire. Great. Um, is it singable? Do you want to like hear it again? Great. And where does it line up in scripture and does it, does it have a solid foundation? Because there's a lot of hook, hooky songs out there. You can have <laughs> the hookiest hook in the world and people will sing it all day. What's it doing for their heart? You know, like what's it, what's it teaching them? What is it reaffirming in their heart concerning their identity and concerning their relationship with God and their purpose in, you know, his kingdom? Yep. Yeah, so I think that's that's how we approach it. And then as far as like the actual production, we had two different producers. Um, you know, Josh Silverberg, uh, he's done a lot of stuff, and a guy named Keith Smith. Um, both of them very good friends. And you know, I'm I'm kind of at the place where I love to trust someone else to take my simple offering and take it to a place. And and sometimes that meant actually making it almost more simple. <laughs> we have a song on there um, that when we did it live the first time it was, you know, it had the big build and the full and kind of anthematic, like, here we go. And I got the production rough back and I was like that different, <laughs> it was simple. And there was beautiful strings in there. And I was like, I'm more like timpani, you know, I was like, okay, I don't, I'm, I don't understand. Okay. And then uh, it ended up being a song that we did with uh, the organization we from Uganda. And once the kids sang on it, it was like, oh, yeah, I, I see why it's so simple. Because <laughs> that can get to feature. Yeah. There. Recognizing other people's gifts. Yeah. And strengths that are, just to be honest, they're just stronger than yours. Yeah. <laughs> and letting them, you know, being humble enough to be like, I'm not, I probably can't make this full package the best thing it can be. So team and you know yeah it's a hard thing to do if you're not used to doing it um and having two producers was fun for this because oh yeah it changed i think it changed a little bit of the sound from what we would have done just as one one direction to kind of oh that's cool i didn't think about that you know um so. so, so what are some of your favorite moments? Let's uh, musically on the record. Like, what are some? Because every time you make a record, you always have that. Oh, but this one little part on the bridge. Like, see, you hear that back there in like the left earphone, left headphone. That's that's the best part. Like, what's, <laughs> what are your kind of like? What are the things that you're most just psyched about when you hear it? All right, favorite. Um... Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so many, so many. So for me, um, there's this one song that we did. It was kind of at the end of the writing season that um, kind of came. It was the last song that we wrote, actually, with the first producer. And the second producer produced it. <laughs> and there's just this um, part that he kind of pushed Rebecca vocally to sing um, a little more in her falsetto, which she doesn't do. And she says, no, no, I don't, I don't really do that. <laughs> and he's like, you do today. Okay. <laughs> That's a good answer sat in the studio like that's the most obvious thing for that space um and the song's called without you and then um and then it just comes into this really big drop into a big final chorus but it was just this very sweet intimate moment that um i yeah i just really love that that spot for sure that's one of them mine is in never alone it's the song we sing with mm -hmm. the kids at Watoto. And it's the, just like 
the beginning of the bridge. It's just real peaceful and calm. And we're just singing, you and I cannot be separated. Um, now I'm forgetting the words. You and I cannot be separated. <laughs> nothing will come between us. Nothing can come between us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my favorite part. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's lots. I think there's just there's so many different... Um, yeah, Sing, I think, is one for me that kind of uh, the producer kept. I think we went through like four different versions of the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then finally it was like, oh, that's it. it. That's the one. Uh, it's just fun. It's just super fun. Fun to do live and everything. So That's yeah. awesome. So you mentioned your, your work in Uganda. Can you tell me a little bit about what you guys are, have been doing there? I've been, I've been kind of doing some research on it a little bit. And t- tell me a little bit about like why is your heart connected there and then – we can kind of go from there a little bit. Yeah. So we were doing uh, a record, two, three records ago. Our producer was a professor of ours at North Central University in Minneapolis. He started the project with us and then he moved to Uganda before he finished it. And we're like, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then like shortly after he moved there, mind you, we were living in my parents' basement um, just kind of very low budget, <laughs> everything. <laughs> he called us and said, do you want to send money to these kids um, in this ministry in Uganda? And we were like, sure, why not? We'll send what we have. <laughs> um, so Watoto is an organization in Uganda. It started as a church 30, 32 years ago. And then about 20 some years ago, um, the founder and pastor um, came upon a family of orphans that needed to be adopted. So they created a ministry. They adopt children into the ministry. So they're, it's not an orphanage where they adopt out, but they are bringing them into their home in the ministry. So they care for um, orphans from baby all the way. They take them all the way up until... Um, University or trade Univ- until they're trained fully in a trade or in university. They they're sponsorship based, and what we do with them is send. We started sending money for like musical instruments that they could practice on, and um, then in the last few years we've been doing worship band camp. So we bring a team over. Of last time it was how many of us? Like 18 or so um, writers, producers, all the instruments in the band that they use, um, a vocal instructor, preacher, videographer, uh, dance instructor, and they have about 300 students that come and we, yeah, we pour pour everything we have (laughs) in students and they are, a lot of them are already leading worship. Um, but more of them are just, you know, growing in that they're writing, they're telling their story, their stories, which are, you know, all unique and very amazing stories just of falling into a relationship with the heavenly father. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that look? You know, when you, uh, so you were saying like, I was looking, you guys do a camp, like you bring a bunch of musicians out. Um, how does that look musically? Because I would I would assume, and I could be totally wrong. I've never been to Uganda. I've been around places though. Generally, when I go other like places, even outside like my state, 
things <laughs> sound different, things feel different, everything's a little a little different. How what where do you find a where do you find the commonality when you bring a bunch of Nashville producers and musicians over to Uganda? And where do you see kind of things more come to life because of the differences? So that we're not like just homogenizing everybody and making them all sound like Hillsong or whatever it is, right? Not that uh, there's anything wrong with that Capitol Records. And they've come on our trips, <laughs> so. <laughs> um, you know, it, it all started because they asked. You know, we've been bringing instruments for a number of years and Toto, someone had given us a large gift and said, do something for the kids. And Toto said, we want to worship camp. We love the instruments, but we need the training. I was like, okay, great, let's do it. And I spent a very long time um, asking people that I just knew and or had a relationship through someone else um, that had come or um, we knew pretty well or they recommended. And um, it, you're right. It is a very, uh, it, for me and Rebecca, um, just really improper grammar there. Sorry. <laughs> um, we, you know, it's, Watoto is very close to our heart. And there's a bit of that protective nature that we want to make sure whoever's coming um, has a heart to serve these kids. So uh, every time I get a new name sent my way, it's it's like, okay, Lord, <laughs> this is supposed to work out. It's supposed to work out. And it always has. Yeah. Um, and I am so honored and blessed by everyone that's come. Um, I, I can't even begin to tell you how many stories there are of people that's like two weeks out and I get a call and, that, and it's usually through our producer, Josh, that decided last minute this person should come mm -hmm. on the trip. And, uh, I get this phone call from a guy named Max two years ago. And he's like, hey, um, I hear going to Uganda <laughs> and I, I, Josh told me that you need an extra spot filled. So I'm, I'm ready. I can go. And I was like, <laughs> I, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> I don't even know what you do. And uh, he showed he, up in a mesh tank top and some like tight gym shorts. and was like, let's do this. And you were like, right. yeah, great decision. <laughs> pretty much that's pretty much how Max showed up. No, um, <laughs> no, Max uh, is a great guitar player, producer, and um, I, I quickly said, Hey, let me let me call right back. I got on the phone with our producer and I was like, Hey, who's Max? <laughs> and uh, he filled me in and, and and then we invited him and two weeks later he I was meeting him for the first time basically as getting on a plane from New York to Uganda and I mean they just they loved him there and he loved the experience. Um, same thing, we had a lady named Diane Sheets come this year as a phenomenal vocal coach. Um, it all kind of transpired last minute. She ended up staying a couple extra days with us in Uganda and just fell in love with the kids there and, and the wealth of information and training that she brought was incredible. So we're I'm always completely blown away at the, the level and skill that come, um, but even more so, I think what God does in that, I think there's something about, you know, none of these people are paid to come and do this. They're all giving up of their time. We raise the support so that they can, so that they can get there. Um, and Watoto takes care of them once they're there. But, um, I think there's something about that, right? Like where you're sacrificing, knowing you're serving something greater, um, that God just somehow rewards yeah, and he's in it. And that's, it always meshes yeah. and there's never a hiccup really at all. Yeah. On the, on the band side, there's, yeah. there's always long sound checks. Yeah, long sound checks. Long setup times. <laughs> long setup times. <laughs> Waiting to work those kinks out. But everyone is just always very patient. They've checked their 
they check their preferences at the door yeah. and they're ready to do whatever is needed of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to it see. It is pretty amazing. Um, and then we, we get to, you know, we get there for the camp and then we also get to um, serve with Toto Church, which is quite large there. And that's always a blast. And I think this past time there was no downtime. Like, nope. It was, <laughs> it was, it was plane to plane for most of those people. <laughs> and uh, in between was just, you know, sit when you can. <laughs> um, and no, uh, I mean, we always try to adjust things. And in the, in the follow up process, I was like, what can we do better? Like, well, Friday was really long, <laughs> but I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. You they know, like even take on more like training responsibility, training time. <laughs> like they'll say to their class, like, do you guys want to stay another hour <laughs> or you want to come early in the, in the morning? They're like, yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, it's often super, super encouraged and blessed by every person that's come. So, well, it, it looks like a blast. I was just checking out the photos on your website and I was like, oh, it looks awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you guys look like you're having a great time all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beautiful. pretty much. Yeah, it's true. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, you know, I'm always in, my favorite part of this podcast is that I get to talk to people who are writing songs for the church, who are leading songs for the church. And I'm and it never fails to amaze me the heart and uh, of, of being a servant that comes from the people that are doing this. And you guys are doing this in such a beautiful way. You clearly have, I mean, just going out and being willing to, I mean, some worship musicians don't want to take one note from the pastor. Yeah. And you guys went and like collected <laughs> notes from 50 pastors, you know, like I think, I think that for one that speaks to that you guys understand who you are, that you're able to take in that information and, and use it to serve. I think it's, I think it's beautiful. And I think it's very authentic what you're doing. And so Guys, thank you so much for doing that. Um, it means the world to the church. We need more of this. And that global perspective and everything else, like it's, it's, you're putting it in a really unique and interesting package, and I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for taking the time today. You're welcome. Thank Very you for welcome. having us. <laughs> wow, what a great couple, man. It's awesome to see people that are doing ministry together. Um, it, it was definitely, it's definitely more, it's easier to travel, I guess, when, you, when, you're in your, when it's a team and when it's a family. Uh, there's nobody leaving anybody else at home. I like that. Well, yeah, and to work Very together cool. in such a to work together in such a, an intimate way, and then be able to mm -hmm. put that together. I feel like you can't really you can't really get that with other people. Like you can you can have an intimate connection when you're writing songs or whatever, but it's got to be different with your wife. It's probably it's probably truer Absolutely. in some ways, but also that connection is it's almost like having a double person would be what I would think. That's true. Like or one whole one whole person. <laughs> right. <laughs> Versus yeah, the it's like being, mediocre half that yeah. I have. Yeah. Have you seen all these half worship leaders crawling around the country doing their thing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love, uh, it's like Benji Coward and his wife. They're very much involved in the songwriting process. It's really cool. Uh, I've written a few songs with them together and it's it's just really cool to have them both in the, in the mix. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, Daniel, now that we've said that, mm -hmm. what time is it? It's 1.42 in Nashville, and I think it's... Ah, hold on, hold on. It is a trick question. It's, it's member mail time. Hit it. Oh, see, you planned that one. That one was... You can hear. <laughs> that, one was, that one was fake. I'm trying, I'm trying to make sure that the people that see me as an underachiever, I'm, I don't let them down. 
<laughs> well, good. Just play down to your audience. That's good. Well, uh, today's today's question comes up comes to us from the call one three two two as their screen name, and here's the question. How do you guys feel about the trajectory worship music has been going for in the last five to seven years, shifting away from guitar-driven rock to more synth-oriented mellow songs? I tend to have a lot of trouble finding up-tempo songs for our band to play because everything is so slow nowadays. Like what was considered medium-tempo seven years ago is now considered the fast songs. What are your thoughts? Hmm. That is a great question. You know, it's funny as we as we go through and we're learning, you know, we're always learning songs and we're learning them from the records and then we're teaching them and you do notice that there's songs that come out, they'll all end up being in the same. It's like, wow, yesterday's was 70 beats per minute, and today's is 70 beats per minute, and tomorrow's is 72 beats per minute. And then all of a sudden, you'll mm-hmm. you'll get another wave of songs, and it'll be like, everyone is 105 beats per minute. This is weird. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's kind of like there's definitely people looking at which songs do well and then kind of following the trend and you know I, th- I really believe that's what that's what kind of happens in in that scene and also obviously with the genre you know talking about how you know the mainstream there's not any real rock bands doing well on the radio right now besides maybe Nickelback but uh, we don't even talk about them sorry that's like that's like saying uh, Expelliarmus in well, that's like saying the what's the guy on Harry Potter? You're not supposed to mention his name. That's kind of like what Nickelback is on a podcast. Um, we'll just bleep it. I kind of Voldemort, Voldemort, or whatever his name. <laughs> Don't say his name. That band uh, but will I think that shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, the band with the band with scary name. Yeah, that's just there's not a lot of rock bands out on the radio right now. You know, there's very very few rock bands anymore uh, doing well on in mainstream radio it's all kind of pop and then the pop is sort of R&B maybe heading towards that synthy kind of 80s vibe and so you know um, I think that there's a there's a trend that follows in worship in music creation anyway from a from people that are in different churches that they, they're kind of being influenced by the mainstream music that's out there and so they get into that vibe and it sounds more and more like uh, what's happening in the mainstream I do like the big anthemic kind of mid-tempo weighty songs that feel like up songs when you're singing them uh, but they're not fast tempo they just feel up because they're big and I can understand why people in a smaller church that can't get that kind of big stadium feel uh, why they might be frustrated with those mid-tempo songs what are your thoughts Chase? Right yeah I mean I definitely I agree with you that things do kind of follow what's going on I mean you know even from being a guitar teacher you know I see uh, I've seen it in this move away from you know, songs where people come in and actually ask to learn songs that have guitar in them. They want to learn other songs. And they want to learn how to play it on guitar because there's just yeah. not as many out there. I mean, you have like Gibson's going bankrupt and there's probably a few good reasons for it uh, based on how they run things. But one of the things is they're saying, you know, people aren't buying guitars as much. And uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's a fair statement. I don't think rock is dead. I don't think natural mm-hmm. non-synth oriented music is dead but it's it's not quite as mainstream at the moment i can give you like 20 bands that are making great music that use real instruments but it is really refreshing to hear it's like you hear it and you're just like ah that's real stuff yeah great um as far as actually taking you know what's going on in church and 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 uh having it be like a different feel and trying to match what's going on on the radio you know i worship artistry we always teach the songs as they are as they're recorded however our hope is always that you take them and make them your own you've heard me say this before but you take them and make them your own and you do it with the instruments that you have in place and 
you don't have to just all do synth stuff because you know Hillsong United came out with a song that has like a million different synths in it. Sometimes, man, that stuff sounds great. There's a band called The Preachers, but it's it's spelled like Creatures. And I, like, they are, it's like they're straight out of the 80s. It's like listening to the Bangles, but, like, with better mm-hmm. production, you know? And it's so yeah. fun. I had it blaring on my radio the other day. It's just when I'm having a rough day, sometimes I'll hop on the drums because I can actually play the drum beat and just play along with it. It's great. <laughs> um, so that kind of stuff is great. It's fun to listen to. But, yeah, it might not be something that you that yeah, you can necessarily recreate in your own worship scenario. So it doesn't mean that you can't play that song. It just means that you have to take those parts and adapt them to the instruments that you have. I mean, we do that all the time, just as, you know, with the lessons that we do. So, you know, don't let that kind of cut those things off for you. And then as far as, as tempos go, it is really hard because when, like, like you're saying, like you can't, the big songs are all these slow mid-tempo mover like mm-hmm. kind of plotting epic songs right and everyone is putting yeah. that song out because that's the one that takes off and like it or not everyone is trying to write the next hit song right where as trying to write kind of more upbeat songs but if you're looking for them like christian stanfield we actually did a whole podcast on that there's a great question uh, or he's, he's great at it he just knows how to write these up-tempo songs that don't feel cheesy and don't feel like yes. they don't belong in a worship set they really feel like they belong there um, I find I often have to write my own I've always been placed in that situation where like everybody I play with they're all like here's this little song here's this one I'm like I like slow songs too, man, but I'll write a fast song. Fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so good. there's, so there's way, you know, you might need to bring in your own or kind of adjust things as a other style. But part of it is just, yeah. I would suggest to you like expand what you're listening to. You don't have to just listen, you know, to what you're hearing on the radio. You can, there's other things out there. Absolutely. That's really good. That's really, really good. Yeah. And also, I mean, I've noticed um, some of the kids that are in the, like my daughter's 13 now and all the little guy, the little boys in her class that are into music are actually listening to like Black Sabbath and Jimi Hendrix. And it's kind of weird how all those young, young kids that are just discovering music are actually listening to Led Zeppelin and all the, all the rock stuff. Uh, and a lot of them are digging like, like that kind of music as opposed to the kind of pop and synth stuff that's out there that the you know the, the most of the millennials are listening to so it's kind of it's interesting how that that's going to swing around again eventually and, and then all the guitar stuff's going to come swinging back into into gear i have no doubt that it'll be uh, you know not long and it'll all come around again right i mean how is it that i used to make fun of the idea of having a chorus pedal and i've been like scouting on reverb for a chorus pedal like how how did that even happen that's why i never throw away or sell any pedals because i'm like this this bright green boss super phaser is going to come around again someday (laughs) that's true it's like your like your clothes you can put them in the cupboard and wait wait a couple of years and then pull them out again right your kids are going to love those clothes you know just don't throw them away That's amazing. Awesome. Well, hey guys, if you have a question, actually we we ha- we need some new member mail. We kind of did a call out for a while, then we had an influx of them, and we need more questions. So you can ask us questions either on Facebook. You can message us on our Facebook page. You can uh, write any a question at the member mail post and in the green room at worshipartistry.com/greenroom. Uh, you can also just email us support at worshipartistry.com and uh, and Bethany, who is who takes all that stuff, guys. She handles everything that we get by email and then she kind of sends it all out so she'll make sure that we get that and we'll give it a look so we'd love those questions next week i'm really super excited because i'm about to leave for nashville which means you and i daniel 
and our guests are going to yes. get to sit in a studio together for the first Amazing. time in a long time, and I, but do our first podcast in the same room. That's going to be so much fun. So I can't wait. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. It's going to be awesome, guys. Um, I will announce our guests when we get there. I'm very excited about who we're having. And uh, yeah, guys, that's it. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Arrivederci.